on today's show. We are getting to know Aaron. But first, promos and pleases. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up, Andre Psyche, and add a little creative inspiration to your social media circle. Listeners, listen up. Get 25% off your order at ShadyRays.com by using the promo code GETTING. Use GETTING when checking out to get 25% off on the best sunglasses around. Shady Rays takes extreme pride in their multi-layered lens technology, which is made for high visibility and strength, making it shatter-resistant. Go get you a pair or two by going to ShadyRays.com, perusing their polarized sunglasses, then using the promo code GETTING. When you check out, it'll save you 25% on your order. Please subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod on whatever app you're listening on. Please give a five-star rating. Please take some time to write a review. Please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on social media. Pretty, pretty, please tell someone about the pod. All of your clicking, linking, sharing, rating, reviewing, starring, tagging, and simple old school speaking about the pod is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. And Aaron is getting ready to tell us all about a philosophy that makes sense to him. <laughs> Dude, you were Googled, you were like, let me Google this Marcus Aurelius quote. And I was like, oh my God, you're a fucking academic like that. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got introduced to him uh, by the Daily Stoic. Okay. Um, previously uh, growing up I had heard about Plato um, and the story with the shadows where it detailed like individuals in a cave and that the only things that they could see were the shadows of things that played through whenever the they had some type of flame going on in there and whatever shadows hit the wall is what they saw and so to them, the shadows were reality. And that when they walked out, um, like they were just so astounded by everything that they just like went back in and hiding. And they said, that's fake. Let me go back to what's real. <laughs> uh, I kind of got into stoicism more um, as growing up, you try to find some type of philosophy, some type of way of making sense of the world. And in this one, it seemed to be really emphasizing one's personal character like saying the world will do as it will you can't really control that aspect of it but you can maintain your own soul as you go through it um and so like i have uh i have right now like a few quotes posted up on uh my on my wall um i kind of have like this whole setup here okay and like a motivational thing as a reminder for me to focus in on what my goals are, because um, there's also the lesson of 
if there's something you want to achieve, when you do the things besides that, you are sacrificing that which you want to achieve. And so I have in front of me, like the things that I want to achieve and just continuously use them as my reminder. So that way when I'm like in some type of social media activity or whatever, um, it tends to be very short and uh, often, oftentimes, like I'll only check the messages. Uh, I probably spent more time on this than I should have, but I also... Uh, <laughs> I think everyone in the world at this point has said that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily, like I actually didn't get into the social media that much growing up. Um, I was kind of an oddball in this where I was very analytical of my environment. Okay. And like even looking at like romantic relationships, one uh, one one thing that I saw was like the men around me or boys technically at the time, um, and I saw them as boys at that time too as well, <laughs> which is an interesting perspective to have when you're that age. Um, but I I saw them losing their minds and their senses, and I'm like, like uh, whenever whenever they were trying to try to obtain the attention of a girl. And I was like, well, like why, are, why are you losing yourself? Like, oh. And that kind of like took away a bit of the incentive for me to engage uh, in romantic relationships for a while. Okay. Um, but I do have a few quotes on the wall for me. Uh, from Seneca, I have uh, a gem cannot be polished without friction nor a man perfected without trials. Hmm. Uh, for Marcus Aurelius, I have, a man's worth is no greater than the worth of his ambitions. Huh. And I do what is mine to do. The rest does not disturb me. I like, it's funny, man. I like that ambition one. And it almost goes to social media for me. Um, and I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a teacher. And I worry about, not like chat GBT, is that what it is? Like the new artificial intelligence that's gonna create everything and kill and take over the world. But like, I don't see people, I don't see kids risking themselves. I see them playing it safe and like acting towards tropes and commonalities that they know will be successful. Like, oh, I'll make this voice. Oh, I'll act in this dramatic way. Oh, I'll respond with this snarky comment because that's whatever the clicks and views and likes are. At least that's my theory. And I don't see a ton of true ambition where it's like, I need to fail to get here. I, I, I really worry about that. The fact that like people are spoon fed all this stimulation and the mind doesn't really get to wander into what you want and then working towards, wow, that will fulfill me. That That is... There's a reason I have this passion towards blank and let me go figure out a way to fulfill myself with it. It's uh, It makes me feel like an old man because I work, I think about it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, like at that age, like very much their brains are really moldable and it's for the intention of like them being able to repeat what is around them yeah. uh, to like quickly adapt to whatever the circumstances circumstances are at the time and so it's completely natural that in today's environment which is like not really conducive towards them um that it can be very negative 
But um, I'm going to tell you about something where I think this movement uh, you'll be very excited about. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it started off in Austin, Texas. Uh, it's known as Acton Academy. It's one of my side quests. <laughs> oh, side quest. Um, I want to start an Acton Academy branch near me. Um, they have three principles that they follow. Uh, one, every student who walks in the door is a genius who is destined to change the world. Two, students should be in charge of their own learning. And three, asking great questions is far more important than answer regurgitation. Mm. Um, there, I think there's a few hundred uh, branches across the world. Um, after they created the first one, it spread down to Brazil. Uh, I came across it in, um, in a Jordan Peterson podcast where he was talking about different experiments that the kids were doing. And uh, in one instance, which is uh, funny to me, was that the students didn't like the way they were being governed. And they said, we want to change this. And he says, okay, well then, uh, what would you like? Like, um, like a, I think he said, constitutional uh, republic? Or, um, dang, I can't remember. <laughs> but it was something related to, like, uh, a, like uh, people's democracy. And the students were like, we don't really know. And then they kicked out all the adults for a few weeks. They <laughs> invited him back in a few weeks later. And uh, they had used masking tape to divide the school into different sections and use different uh, like systems of government to, to uh, compare and contrast which one is better. Um, another aspect that I... Um, and they intelligently designed the school as well, uh, from what I was hearing, where it's like they understand it's like 4% of the population uh, will try to take advantage of the rest if it's like in a really good cooperative system. And so they have their systems of checks and balances, uh, particularly when it's like the younger kids because at that age, um, like let's say, it's, for example, a psychopath, a psychopath, uh, their tendency, they can't stay in a single spot because eventually they'll get found out. But um, they start off telling like little white lies, uh, chicken snowball. And so at that stage, um, for the early years, they need an adult there to be able to watch and like notice it. Um, but as they grow older into the different uh, middle and high school um then they develop really good detectors for that kind of stuff um if you go onto the acton academy um uh, website they actually have the the way it started off um so the way the branch in brazil started off was that the colleague of uh, the individual who started the branch in texas or started the original school in texas he wanted to start something like that over there. And so he just sent over the documentation, all the rules and guidelines, and uh, let that start up. And he essentially done the same in a, across several hundred places. And uh, when I went to the website recently, it, literally one of the first things it said was like, start an Acton, uh, Acton Academy branch near you. I also really love the fact that um, they have, all right. <laughs> I'll let you add some questions before I keep monologuing. <laughs> no, dude, it's I'm curious. I am curious. Is there like a cost associated with it? Like, do you, is it a franchise of a sort? 
Um, as far as I can tell, they're really like wanting to limit the cost of like how much it's going to be. I think some of his colleagues had even um, developed some like higher education um, solutions that range between like five hundred and two thousand dollars per year for the students to pay, or that the... and for like students to pay because they have a system where it's. Like instead of, um, if you look at like higher education, oftentimes, um, when you include all the administrative uh, faculty members, it's per, like every student pays like, let's say 60,000. Um, so you would need, or, or let's say 30,000. So you need two students to pay 60,000 for like a professor's um, salary. Uh, if we look at the ratio between like faculty and and um, students, I think they have five. They have uh, five students per every faculty member, which is honestly like if if it were the case that like it's like they're really devoted to the students and it's like really developed to growth, then that'd be fine. But like higher education institutions, a lot of it is like large classes. Yeah, it's just yeah. redundant money. Um, but in, in the system that they have, um, they're setting up, it's like one teacher per every like 20, per every 30, per every 40, per every 50, uh, for 50 kids and really focusing on, uh, I would say that second principle of like students teaching themselves. And, um, today I actually came across this analogy, which I really ended up liking or it's like, let's say you had two robots who are trying to get cross, you're trying to get them to cross the desert. Um, you could program one robot with the topological information of the desert and tell it to go forth from there. A few minutes down the line, it's just going to get stuck because it changes so quickly uh, that it's just going to be screwed. Um, but if you give the other robot all the tools it needs to thrive in those conditions, it's going to get to the other side. And in that same uh, spirit, I really see... Like what I was seeing with the Acton Academy is like they respect everyone and they ha and they acknowledge um, all all different types of intelligences. Uh, one of the examples that they he had mentioned was like like if you're the best plumber in town, you're gonna make way more than every any Harvard graduate, and the town gets the benefit of like not having to worry about their plumbing. Huge benefit. <laughs> and. So each student and each individual, like we have our very own unique experiences, which if you were to take advantage of them, then it will develop into a beautiful system. And um, with the students teaching themselves, they essentially get the skills in order to like build a community. Um, I think they had them do a play recently. Uh, no, this was back in 2012 when the video I was seeing. Um, they had them do a play at that time. And they had to do everything themselves, like writing, staging, what was the point of it? Um, and even down to like the technology, technological aspect of it. So they had to like work with robotics and all to design the extra stage effect. Okay. So they really had to like work with each other. Um, Towards the common and, goal. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody finds their own interest. It's a real, it has like real world implications. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you set a date, so now you've got a deadline where you've got a problem solve, time sensitive. It's um, It sounds utopian, to be honest with you. It sounds nothing like the current public school system that I'm a part of, <laughs> but it's it sounds utopian. It sounds what a, like education should be, which is useful for the individual to make the community better. 100%. I agree. It's like, why are you, why are you investing so much money into keeping up these old institutions? Like change it. Um, instead we should be investing in the people. The people are the ones who are going to make and evolve the systems. Um, how do you, dude, I've been trying to, to I just want to relate an Alan Watts analogy. (laughs) An Alan Watts. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Is, um, is a Zen philosopher. He was, uh, raised in the States. He's, he's dead now, (laughs) but, um, he grew up very curious about, the um, Indian and Hindu religions. And so he spent a few uh, years over there and then came back and brought a lot of philosophy from them. And uh, one of the examples he talked about was the concept of Maya or illusion and stated it was that the entire world, the only thing that you can guarantee is change. And if you look at like, when we think of the difference between smoke and wood, we think of uh, the smoke almost being as like less real than the wood. But in reality, everything is like that smoke. It is constantly changing. And so the art of being human or the art of being a person in this world is to learn to move with it. Dude, you were, why are you so introspective at that? I'm trying to think back because you're 21, right? Yes. Yeah, dude, I'm trying to think about myself at 21. And I do remember getting into a philosophy book. I forget what it was, but I remember Socrates and I thought it was this like three part where it was like emotion, logos, logic. So there was emotion, there was logic, and then there was a third one. And I was like, that'd be a sick ass tattoo. And I couldn't even like finish the paragraph, let alone the chapter. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I don't remember me getting as deep to be able to quote multiple people and like making a vision, a vision board of it in my room. Like why have you figured out like why you're so drawn to this? Um, no shade, by the way, dude. Like, it's just, I'm, I get very interested when young people, you know, get deep into figuring out what is a great way to think and pers- like you're trying to create your own lens. You don't want to have a lens given to you. You want to figure out what, what is the true lens? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's so mature. <laughs> Shouldn't you just be out drinking all day? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, dulls you, that dulls my senses too much. <laughs> um, well, part of it, um, the exposure of so much information at a young age. Um, well, I was even on the internet back in the early age, uh, like seeing all the vines and stuff. But really, um, I had some very introspective elder brothers. And alongside that, um, there was just, I tended to just think a bit differently. Um, I never really thought of myself as like superior to other kids at that time, even though other kids saw me as like being smarter than them at the time. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was uh, I just saw that like I just put in more work than they did. And like I, I saw that from a very early time that like that was like really the key determining difference. Um, then 
almost goes back to emphasizing personal character. And that's something mm-hmm. you can control. You might not be able to control the environment, but you can control your effort within that environment. That is for sure. You can definitely... But I think that was well said. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was going back. It's like... It, but that's the point of like those philosophical quotes, right? Is like you pontificate and you ramble and you have these big ideas and you just try to boil it down and you're like, fuck yeah, man. Like that's, that is really it. But it's interesting that you kind of realized that early on. Like it took me a while. I had actually had to have several people, might've been in my mid twenties where they were like, fuck O'Grady. You might not be like the cleanest. You might not be the smartest, but damn, if you don't show up all the time. And like my boss telling me that it was almost like an epiphany of like, oh, consistency matters. And it, then it was like, okay. And now I, I found myself. I don't know if that was always within me or because I just happened to notice it. It then reinforced or made me want to make that like a pillar of my life. It's like, be consistent. If you're going to do something, be consistent about doing it. Be on time, be ready, be consistent, and you'll probably be good. And then, you know, you hear the sayings like 80% of life is just showing up kind of thing. And you're like, oh my, like, it's not that hard to show up. Apparently it is consistently. So like, it's interesting that you have these like deep thoughts and you're establishing these pillars, but it seems like you were doing that like in the sandbox. (laughs) Yes. um, (laughs) Like one of my earliest um, like memories of like things that terrified me was finding out about Hitler. (laughs) Mm. Not because there was such an evil person in the world, but it's like a child, a child can often see things as like for what they are. And when I saw, when I heard about him, might've been in like the second grade, first or second, I was like, there's, you have an ability to be so charismatic. I didn't have the words to say this at the time, Yeah. but I was like, you have an ability to be so charismatic that you can convince an entire nation of people to go evil. And I was like, terrified of that and um it terrified me into like not wanting to manipulate anyone ever (laughs) i uh it affected my social skills a bit because of that um so you're saying so you're saying people with social skills just manipulate no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) that 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 is essentially what what uh, you try to do um, well, it's now, interesting. there's a difference that I learned later on through individuals like Jocko Willink, where it's like there, there's a difference between leadership and manipulation. Yeah. Inspiration like, and but, manipulation, right? Yes. Yes. It's like one of them is for the benefit of the other individuals, like to try to create concept of a positive sub world, which is like the better you improve the world around you, like you're going to be able to affect that. The better you improve the world around you, the more that it's going to come back and help you. Say you were to start a doctor's program in Africa, like a lot of the people there, they're going to be some very intelligent people. Um, And a lot of them aren't really getting the opportunities that they should. Honestly, one, one of the things that is awful to me, and I think we definitely need to fix this, is the situation that's happening in the Congo, if you weren't aware of this one. Is that the cobalt mining that Rogan's been on for a couple of episodes now? Yeah, it's, 
it's insane. Um, just you're trying to clean the environment, right? You're trying to save the world, but you have mm-hmm. this mass suffering ba- that that has to feed. <laughs> that that is the coal for the furnace of saving the world, even though you're trying to stop coal. You know, like you can't go EV without all this cobalt, right? Mm-hmm. And you're completely you're denigrating, you're, you're damning an entire population and maybe even generations because like the children who are growing up in that, what options are they going to have? What kind of market and economy are they going to have? It's going to be all based around the production of that cobalt, right? So like it would, it almost reminds me of like those old minor town stories that you would hear about in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then part of why like Trump wins kind of a thing is now the mines are gone and everyone's in desperate need of a leader. And it's like the cobalt will run out eventually. And then what happens? Like, it's just such an unsustainable thing to depend sustainability upon, which is a, a beautiful irony, like of it all. It's just a beautiful irony of like, how do you not get that? How do you not get that? People who make decisions, not you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I completely understand. Like it's something where, if I let myself like think about it, I often think conceptually and um, it's like just thinking about, I see it as like pure sacrilege, like that complete, like the human potential that they have, that's wasted. that divine, that divine nature of man. Yeah. And you're just destroying it. It's like the cat, the consequences of that are not only are you completely annihilating their lives, but every single aspect where they could affect the world and beyond, you are directly like damaging that. It's such a short-sighted It's capitalistic, man. It's capitalism. Communism. Like if it had been just the US, I don't think it would have been implemented. But from what I heard, it's like a lot of those places are run by China. And that's, let's just say that um, there's the Chinese, like if you look at them historically, whenever they go to war, what the way, the way they go to war, I got this from Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, um, is like they just throw bodies at the problem until the problem solved, which is why, which is why in the era of like modern machinery, uh, Japan was able to really overtake the country. Um, and they committed atrocious acts, which I only know a, a little bit of it. Um, the certain whispers of like things like the rape of Nan King. I'll tell you, if you want to go into history, Dan Carlin's hardcore history is extremely fascinating. It's like he goes in it's detail so... on the human experience. And it's like... <laughs> it, it, it's too long for me as a podcast because um, I remember trying a couple while I was painting different rooms in my house. And you can't like, you can't zone out for a little bit and zone back in. Like it's a fucking lecture, man. You've got to stay locked in. You need to take notes. You need timelines and flow charts. Like I need PowerPoints to get it because it's so fucking dense. And like, I, I, you just reading a book's completely different because for some reason, I guess saying the words locks your mind in and then you end at a chapter. But like his hardcore history, like one episode will be like four hours and Mm -hmm. not that it's bad, but you don't get that like 
chapter two done. And you know, you like, it just, he just keeps building the timeline. And then all of a sudden he'll like dig really into some like shepherd out in Scotland. And you're like, why is he talking about this? Oh, that's where some King came along from. And like, he ties it back around like an hour and a half later. And you're, it's, it's too much for me. It's, but it speaks to you. The fact that you can like retain it. I can't retain it when I listen to it. Well, it's for me, it's like a matter of like, almost like a zone out. So like, yes, I am thinking about it. And occasionally if I want to, this is a brain intensive process, but um, if you go through as they're speaking and you reverse engineer how the, the words that they spoke, like why, what's the meaning of the word when they said it and then put yourself in their brain like thinking like that, that's the meaning that they wanted to convey. And then you do that for as many words or phrases as you can. And you, it, it doesn't guarantee an accurate picture, um, but you can get very comprehensive. But I'll tell you, even, even uh, for me, I'll do that for maybe like 10 minutes at a time. And then my brain will be like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, I don't know his prep and how much of that's natural to him, how much of that's it, it like um, I picture it almost all like scripted, right? He's not just sitting there smoking a cigar, being like, you know what I'd like to talk about? The twelve hundreds and Robert the Great. Actually, he just rambles. Stop. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> it, that's just like him. Studying on something, reading through it, taking a few months to think about it, and then just <laughs> so admire it. Although I guess like different people do have different aptitudes and the ability to condense information, have some sort of a point, and just monologue about it. You know, like I I, I feel like I can kind of do that about pedagogy and teaching on some level, more for like a middle school level. I don't know if I'd be good with like phonetics and I, yeah, I couldn't ramble on about like language acquisition, but I could ramble on for a little bit about just instructional delivery and how to format and organize that. But like, other than that, man, I don't know if I've got multiple topics within teaching. Like this dude, it's, it's humbling. It's humbling when you feel you're kind of smart to get around people like that, who, who just remind, like make you feel like an ant. They make you feel so basic, but it's good at the same time. Cause then it, what does it do? It hopefully makes you work a little harder to just be a little better. That is true. It's a definite motivation. And personally for me, it's also a great ego check. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll have moments like, uh, for example, physically, um, I think it was like my fourth or fifth time in a gym. Um, I was at college age at this point and I don't really lift much. I just do you know, some random like home workouts from time to time, just mess around. I head over and we, um, with my brother, um, we were kind of, we're kind of ego lifters. <laughs> Are you grunters as well? Not, not, no, not grunters. Um, <laughs> but 
Like, we go in there, and I think I went up to 325 on my deadlift. So I've never deadlifted. I've never squat racked. I barely uh, bench. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know... I, I don't know like a proportion of weight to deadlift to be impressed. If okay. that makes sense. Um, I so, mean, I think that average, um, from what I hear is like the average person would start around like male, like an adult would start around like 200. Okay. And then they would scale up. Um, a lot of that is also due. There's some newbie gains, which is like just you learning how to actually activate your muscles. Yeah. Because particularly at the beginning, it's the issue of like you have never used your you've never activated those muscles, and so it's yeah. Did you know? Did you know what your glute felt like? hmm? Did you know like what your glute felt like? Yeah. Did you really? Could you feel a muscle like on your back? So when I look at the deadlift, I picture like the butt and the glute, but then also picture something about the way their posture is with the back mm-hmm. and feeling some sort of weird muscles there, but I don't know what they'd be. So I couldn't tell you what the muscle groups are because I haven't memorized them. Um, but potentially it's like you're in, it's almost your entire line of like, stabilize your muscles like all the things that hold you up so because when you're lift when you're holding the weight like you have the weight itself and that's going to pull a bit on your core to keep it engaged um and all your stabilizer muscles and it, it'll activate your back as well as like you're pulling uh both your upper back and then uh, because it's a lifting motion it's going to activate all of your like general leg muscles like from your calves, um, yeah, but like, could you, and all that. Could you feel it in? Like, could you feel your calf giving you strength? Like, I've never done anything where I'm like, yeah, man, my calf is helping me get that extra ten pounds right now. Um, the not necessarily calf in that one. That one is more, a bit more uh, gluten, uh, glute and lower back intensive. Um. I, in some cases, I felt my calf um, giving me strength in terms of more, not necessarily strength, but like more just like freedom of movement. Like uh, there's a there's a period of time where I went around and I cut co- I collected a uh, garbage um, for apartment and. Uh, I kind of did that because I was like, well, what's what's a job that you can have and uh, also gain a, uh, have a little bit of physical fitness? And at that, at that time, I also was like, why? Well, I've been thinking about getting into like hunting and archery and that kind of stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'll probably be able to run during that one. And um, <laughs> I think I've left a bird traumatized and a few people are quite shocked based off of like, a 20 20 year old man just like running through full speed up steps like uh, <laughs> uh, i would you... start off on the on the staircase and i'd push off from like just like one ankle and i just like go up like six steps uh, <laughs> how do you traumatize a bird doing that <clears throat> um there's this bird that had a nest along this hallway Okay. And I'm just all, I was going full speed, um, earning probably like 30 bucks an hour because I was just being, I was just booking it. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
Now, did you get so excited you would like reach the top of the stairs, try to jump up and like slap whatever the nest was built on? Like I'm picturing like a door frame or something like that. Um, no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't feel. I I tend to like really. I'm very gentle, even to the um, insects that invade my house. Like I'll like grab them, the little stink bugs or the little spider. Yeah. yeah. Um, encapsulate them and like I'll just carry them out the window and just like release I didn't, them. I wasn't thinking maliciously, man. I think you got a real sensitive spirit. I was just thinking like the excitement of ending the workout, almost like Rocky reaching the top of the stairs. But then you've got like a rafter that you're jumping for to like, yeah, you know, like as a celebration. And then there's the bird's nest up there and it like just gets woken up. Well, well, with that one, uh, you carry it around like a large gray bag. Uh, It could hold multiple trash cans. So for me, oftentimes... Um, so you're doing this like trash of, like, Santa Claus, like activating the, um, just lifting it up occasionally, and almost like a kettlebell. Also, like also over time, I've kind of had this thought of like outwardly expressing like happiness isn't really showing uh, that you're happy. Isn't isn't is an example of your happiness. For me, I see that as more of like you're doing that as not of different people are more react more intuitively and so like it'd be different for them um but thinking about it it's um it's kind of just like a sign that like that's the social energy that you want reflected onto you but if you're just exuberant um you could be sitting still and having the most pleasant experience of your life which i actually had a fascinating dream experience I've, I've gone into deep meditative states and um, one was absolutely wild where i in the in the dream uh, i go over and i take a psychedelic <laughs> and inside the dream reality starts warping around me i've been in my living room i've been in my living room and all of a sudden i see like lights start appearing like and I'm like, all right, time for me to head back to my room and then just like chill. <laughs> and I lay in my room and then over time, um, like visuals getting more intense and, and then uh, just close my eyes, block myself out from the world. This is all still inside the dream, which is crazy to me that your brain can in- induce the state. Uh, and I just started feeling like this sense of like light fuzziness Similar to like a hypoxia type thing, but like really, it was the different. <laughs> right. Um, just like really happy giddiness all over, and then um, it ended up resulting in me just like having such a happy state. And then I just woke up, and I was, was still in that drugged out state <laughs> without actually being on the drugs. Yeah, without being any on any type of drug. <laughs> and so the epiphany or the realization was that like outwardness expression of happiness is that just people trying to get that projected back on them? Or did you have any realization or it was just a neat experience? Um, that's a neat experience uh, on a separate um, on a separate note. Um, for me personally, like I just, I just, after analyzing myself, I noticed there is occasions where like 
you would smile or your or I would smile or I would uh, act happy, not necessarily out of a sense of feeling that. Um, of course, you could, or like, not necessarily because it was internally generated. Like, I could let external people kind of like, and I would, externally, you can reflect the situation that's around you. Um, so, like, let's say if there's a bunch of people at a party and, like, they they all, like, start getting really happy and all that, everybody's, like, ju- acting jubilant. Jersey Shore dancing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can reflect their happiness and enthusiasm um, just by moving along with it, but... Not actually feel it? That, yes. Um, yeah, that that is true. And it's like... Your, your physical body doesn't necessarily indicate what you're actually feeling. Um, okay. human, humans are that weird creature where it's like, because we think. <laughs> social norms. We can be very, yeah, social norms. It's like, Perfect. there's a lot of social norms that are meant to portray happiness, sadness, and all that. But people, and people act along accordingly, like, how are you? I'm doing well. But most people saying that could be having a very terrible day. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, um, it's just been a path for me to like seeing that and just trying to actually be very authentic, even in all those small interactions, because though we think they are small, it's like, that's literally every, those small interactions are your opportunity to like respond to the world. And yes, you can just respond like a robot and like, Oh, this, 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 that, but you can also be very intentional about it, um, which is awkward. It's, I'm going to tell it from personal experience. It's awkward. <laughs> yeah. But you can be much, much more interesting and lead to deeper conversations at times. Dude, 100%. Because you think about how you are conditioned. Hey, how's it going? Good. You know, like you mm-hmm. do get conditioned to reply to certain stimuli just in passing and you're like why what's the point it's almost it is it's very inefficient and it's wasted words it's like why if we know what's going to be said to us why ask the question that you know the answer to (laughs) so if i know if i know you're going to say good why even ask you how you're doing you know there's it's no point uh and i've been having the funny situation where i like i'll answer authentically and some people just are some people have like yeah completely they'll respond automatically so like they'll do that they'll say like how are you and just like completely forget about that person which is honestly terrible because i mean (laughs) we're a community of humans we should be like actually listening responding to each other and like trying to connect um but we've gotten to this habit when we see the other people that don't really try to connect and I would just say like, oh, okay, uh, we got it. And then they just ignore it and keep walking on. So it's been a funny experience. So just like talking authentically and seeing some people that just like keep walking. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what you say, they're just like, cool later. Oh, you're doing terrible. Your dog died. That sucks. And they're gone. <laughs> it's like, if they even say that sucks. Yeah. I always Uh, wonder, like, do you think ants have those kind of converse? Cause like, so as a teacher, I'm like constantly passing people in the hallway. And like, by the eighth time I've seen you within six hours, 
Or like, it's the 35th day in a row where I've passed you for just four seconds. And it's like, I can't walk by you and not make eye contact and not smile, but we both have a place to go. So how much are we really going to say to each other in this, whatever, 10 second at the most interaction as people are passing down a long hallway, right? Hey man, how's your day? Good. Hour later. Hey man, day's still good? Yeah. Hey man, still doing good? Yeah. And you're like, fuck you, I'm gonna see you three more times. Like, how, how do we keep this going? So it, it's always like, I think of ants when they find sugar and they're just going back. They stay on that line and then they go back. And I'm like, do they interact with each other on any sort of social level while they're, like, do they have small talk while they're going towards the sugar cube to bring it back? Do they say hi to each other? Do they have any kind of like um, pleasantries? as they pass each other, or is it just all business? Well, going on a hypothetical scenario, because I'm not an ant specialist, but um, I would imagine looking at them, um, the, way that, the way that they use their antennas and they pick up the pheromones. Um, That's the focus? Likely they would, um, likely every single bit of that small talk is related to the colony's work. Um, so it's probably not like I'm going to do this thing personally, um, because it seems like ants act as much more as like a cohesive unit, that hive mind mentality. Yeah. Hive mind. So for them, whenever they would act, um, whenever they're going to communicate just as we do, but their version of small talk is just going to be related to like, Hey, there's this specific pheromone, this human spit over here. Uh, we can tell like that it's like a strong human, just walk around that. Huh. <laughs> Some enzymes there. Um, there's a animal, there's a dead animal over here. Hey, um, just general. Mission focused. Like, yeah, mission focused. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's probably the best way to think about it. Like some type of military conversation, like, hey, walk over here, bravo, that way. Objective, <laughs> it's all about the objective. Yeah, it is. It, it The social interaction part is, um, I do get interested in it. Um, but then at sometimes too, I find myself, even though I hate it, just being so fucking basic. Being like, morning, morning. Great weather today. Oh yeah, it's cold. Rainy day. I'm sleepy. Yeah, me too. You know, you're just like, God, I'm so fucking cliche and basic. It, it, it's tough, I'll tell you. Uh, and my solution to that is like occasionally looking at the internet. And I, I'm not perfect. I'll, I'll occasionally fall into it. But like um, I'll use the internet, and then I'll also one of the one of my one of the ones I like if if the individuals are on a receptive level is like, what's your favorite quote? Uh. Or like what quote for today? Like what is something that like the like went through your mind that now you're now it's influencing your decision. A lot of people who haven't been on that type of like wavelength of like, let me be intentional about my life, which is sadly a lot. Um, they may not have an answer for it. Um, if you, or particularly if you ask them for like a quote of the day. <laughs> um, but oftentimes they'll have something like, what's something that stuck by you? Some words or like something that just stood out. Because it's through the things that we notice, it's through the, our, our attention. Like, what is it that you notice that that's where you can get the measure of a person? And so it's, 
it's that type it's those types of questions that they're not always easy to figure out but i think the more that we can have them the more that we can have this like a real connection it seems like you're you're like it it comes down to a genuine personal connection not 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 this prepackaged expected answer but like it's almost like you want to know what makes an individual an individual I, I, I 100% do because it's honestly like it, one of, it would be literally the worst experience for me if everyone lived in like a small talk realm. This was honestly, uh, to tell you one of my, one of my dream experiences. Um, I've been, uh, very conscious. I've often like lucid dreams and, what ended up happening with me is like, oh, I have all these amazing superpowers. Oh, I can do a kamehameha. Oh, I can teleport. Oh, I can fly. Oh, I can literally change reality on a whim. And it, it ended up just being like, this is kind of boring because like, because everything here is like stuff that I can control. And I, I had went through this period of where I was like, I started just possessing random stuff in my world. So like, I'm just going to turn into that tree <laughs> and uh, just kind of went through that. And I was like, this is just so boring. And I just kept on staying awake in my dreams. And I was like, what? Like, like, all right. And I was like, God, uh, um, I do believe in him. And there's that saying in the Bible that you ask and you shall receive. And I was like, God, please let me talk to a real human being while I'm dreaming. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that Um, would be sick. Do you think dreams can get synced up with someone else's head? Experientially, I didn't verify with the person, partially because it was hard to fully remember it when I woke up. Um, It was hard to remember the words that I agreed upon to say. Um, But I had been like thinking about like, if I were to, connect to someone in a dreamscape what would i say i was like all right i'd probably visualize my words and, and show them out in that in that realm i would show emojis inside those words i could like take them in memories and then uh and then when i asked god for that it ended up introducing i'd never seen this before but like it was like a choose your person slot thing <laughs> And <laughs> like a Tinder, yeah, so, or like yeah, a vending no. machine, like a carousel <laughs> vending machine, where you're just like next, next, next. Well, well think of it like um, like a three D hologram of a person, okay. without any type of like equipment holding it in place. It's just like you could see the, like that that would be the person that you talk to. And of course, in my dream, I'm being authentic. Who am I going to want to talk to? It's going to be girls. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with Gandhi. No. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, I'm a young male. It's, it's, gotcha. it's natural. <laughs> yeah. good, um, good call, by the way. I was just, I, I think of such stupid things and I'm like, you're like, you're such a deep individual but it would be like such a basic bro t-shirt if you rocked like girls over Gandhi (laughs) as like a clothing line or some shit. Like for the real thinkers who keep it real, girls over Gandhi. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to... 
I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's, there's a lot to be said in that where it's like, yeah, I'm real basic, but at the same time, that's very biologically and evolutionary correct. And maybe Gandhi would want it that way. <laughs> Sorry. The Buddha, the, the, the Buddha himself said, uh, you have to have less for your wife. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's there for a reason, right? Like it's the urge is there for a reason. I'm sorry, but go ahead. Swipe in 3D, 3D girls, and yeah, and uh, then it, at this time it was like during the COVID uh, pandemic experience, and so I I isolated myself, um, and then um, I'm going through like the ones that I remember, which is like a bunch of different girls from high school, except that it, they don't look like they did at that time. <laughs> Which is also an extra, like, interesting factor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, then, I um, can't remember who it is that I end up talking to. But I essentially bring them into that, bring them into that realm. And I try, I try a minor possession of them because that was the test that I had. Because <laughs> uh, in, in my dream world, I'd gotten to the point where I could just, like, instantly take the form of whatever I wanted based yeah, yeah. off of a whim. And um, so, like, experientially, my only proof at that point would be if I try to take control of that individual. I wasn't going to try to do it. I also thought that that could be very disrespectful. If, <laughs> if it's non-consensual, so, like, right? Her body, yeah, her yeah. choice kind of vibe. <laughs> but but it was also but I thought it was like if I you do it in a small way which like small um Just small the, way in my in that realm in my dream world would have been enough for anything but it wouldn't have shouldn't have been enough for that and I, like I tried it and it's like nope stay directly in place I was like and I geeked out <laughs> at that point I, I was like oh this is perfect and I literally ended up going over and like explained some deep concept that I had through replaying like a memory that I had that led to led to my discovery of it <laughs> to the girl who you're thinking was actually there man there's so Dude, much like, like your own like, subconscious could completely stop you from like could limit your own powers because your subconscious wanted you to believe or it actually fucking happened. I'm going to hope towards the latter and um, I'm going to hope towards the concepts of stuff like morphic resonance and stuff like that, because mm, it's one, it, there's, there's, I think there's like two thought patterns you can have in terms of the world, which is um, if the standard um, physics one is like, there is a big miracle at the initial beginning of time, and all the rules and laws of the universe were established in that very single instance and just like a computer it's now just playing through and there's nothing new that's going to come it's just like a computer calculating the end result gravity is gravity is gravity is gravity yeah and to me yeah. honestly if i was god i'd be like that seems like the most boring system on the planet um it definitely so wouldn't stimulate me creatively i'd be like real i capped out now that's it like, yeah, I never want to change it. I, yeah, and, and uh, the other option, which I personally have my as, as my belief, it's like we have free will. What does that mean? What it would have to mean is like your will has a direct impact on reality itself, not just 
on like your personal actions because we could say that like the environment that's around you determines the types of thoughts you could have but like literally on a reality level scale like um for example with those quantum level experiments where it's like uh th there's one where they saw like one star that was quantumly entangled with another that was like billions of light years away but the moment that they noticed that one star the light from that other one that was connected to it instantly changed and the speed of light isn't fast enough to like keep up with that but it changed so that we perceive them both the same way wow um or like the wave experiment with like the roy goldberg thing where it's like the particles shoot the um, whenever human beings observed the electron it would shoot in the same spot but whenever they just like left it to itself it would shoot in a wave pattern and so i think there's definitely some type of force of consciousness that like affects reality and it's dependent on like how deep you in tune you are with yourself um there's this guy called Sadhguru who he talked about it as like you are you are not your thoughts like you've gathered your thoughts through your experiences um and he said you're not your body either you've gathered your body over time is what you have gathered the same as you or are you the thing that does the gathering oh. and so to be created in the image of god i think that that's being the one that does the gathering that can create and do that uh which the which we need more scientific studies on that but shown to be true i think the implications of that are so grand that it's like we've just barely started to scrape the level of knowledge you know what would be super interesting um and actually i don't know if it would be super interesting but it was super interesting in my head as i was just thinking about this what if ai is something that's meant to keep humans from reaching their potential because we're automating so much like like you think of a um a conveyor belt what if the conveyor belt is the reason none of us have telepathy or the wheel <laughs> because we never sat there and focused our energy on bringing something to us we needed a technological advancement to make it happen and you have all these things that are doing all this work for you. And what does that leave you to do? It doesn't leave you to hone in on your own energy. It leads you to almost like be distracted. And I don't know if you would consider it like the devil, like AI's the devil and doesn't want you to realize your heavenly or godlike potential, but it would be some sort of like antagonist that's battling for control over either people or spirits or the world in some way where it's like why can't why can't we have godlike powers right like why why would you not be able to have telepathy or the ability to heal or the ability to create energy mm -hmm. the ability to defy gravity the ability to not need breath not need air you know like all these little things that seems such so big because we scientifically like we have technology to make things explode 
Well, why did that then stop people from trying to realize their own potential to make things explode from them? I think what we're living is certainly at a crux of like humanity um, where we have this issue where if humanity doesn't spiritually evolve enough, it is similar to the internet, we're going to create our own prison and it's going to just control us. So I see AI as like a spiritual call for humanity because really AI is the best gift that you could give to a spiritually advanced society, which is besides me being able to just like connect across the world to my friend, like perfectly, um, like the telepathically, I'm now able to go to this AI system and on direct action of mine, I can create something that's going to benefit him over there. And are you so like, creating it or are you dependent on the AI to create it? Where- well, and then in this case, it's a cooperation of the, it's a, it's a tool. And as for AI right now, um, it's like a predictive model. So it yeah. can predict the next word, but it, it can't start from an endpoint and generate backwards. Um, that's where we're at right now. Like, that's why there's been issues where people say to the chat GPT, Hey, um, generate a text about, uh, Donald duck in 30 words and it will do 29 words. It'll do 40 words. It'll do, it'll try to do somewhere around there, but AI doesn't start from the end and work backwards. Like we can, it, it's uh, as it stands right now, it's just takes whatever input we give it. Yeah, you give it the end and then it works yeah. towards your end. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's it's an amazing tool and it's getting better at being able to intuit what the end goal that we want is. Um, and that's that's the point where it is right now. And, um, and things with like open uh, open AI, the way that they have it set up is um, they have it open access to the public. Like even the um, most advanced AI model. Now they have it. Uh, they they have access to the public, and even if you wanted to create your own AI, you can actually pay. I think it was five hundred dollars and get something um, with seven billion parameters that can be trained by their AI. Um, and literally run it on your standard computer pyramid scheme. And that, in that case, that type of AI, um, won't be restricted, which can be good and can be, can be bad. Um, there's a certain sense of like the open AI, what the, uh, one of them had a talk with Lex Friedman recently, the CEO. He was saying yeah, was that his wish would be for the world to come together and for us to have like a discussion on like how, what are the rules that we should have for AI? What are the things that we should do? And that's the reason why like when, even though they didn't have that full product yet, uh, they didn't have the full Terminator, they released it to the public because they said, we don't want to be the only ones making the decisions for this. Because we know that if we're the only ones doing it, then our interests for power, um, like, 
we may have the best intentions, but we're still going to do things that are going to be positive for us, which can ultimately be very catastrophic. Um, and so I think my personal view on AI is like, we have to take care of ourselves. And so that involves um, like all your different organs, all your different systems. The better you take care of yourself, that's like very, that's your microcosm. That's representative of how you're going to take care of the earth. And along with that, if you're concerned about AI, which anyone in the right mind should be, join it while you're in the process of fixing yourself and use it in the process of helping to fix yourself as like motivation, fuel, give it, ask for quotes, ask for whatever, and help mold it so that we make the best thing for humanity. And that's actually what I've kind of decided to like my big impact is like um, for my roadmap, it's helping uh, people to learn how to use AI tools, then uh, helping the people who design AI tools to design the best tools for them. That way, the people who are designing it can develop really high quality products so that it's we're not just stuck using the Google version or the Microsoft version. And later on, hopefully, we have I'll host some conferences here and there and we can just really make this as like something great for humanity another utopian thought i just i don't know man people like we're so flawed and fucked up i'm like there's no way we get this right <laughs> there's no way we get this right i think i think we're twisted but at the same time it's like oftentimes like when i say want a stoic truth if you're someone who's listening you'll understand it. And if you can understand it, that means that you knew it all along. Uh, because if you didn't know it, you wouldn't have been able to understand it. A lot of, And I'm getting that from Jordan Peterson, but I'm going to claim it as myself because whatever is true, whatever I think uh, it was that said it. It was one of the Stoics that uh, might have been Seneca. He said, uh, I'm quoting Epictetus a lot. Whatever that it, whatever is true is mine. Like I just identify myself with that. Truth is true. Yeah, I mean, some. Yeah, right. Like it's like, hey man, the sun is hot. I don't have to cite anybody. At some point, if it's just truth, everyone gets to claim it. Right? It's not your creation. Heck, you didn't even like discover it. Right? It was always in you. It's like, yeah. by the way, water's wet. I don't know if you know that or not, but forever and always, whenever you tell someone that water's wet. Make sure you tell them Sean is the one that told you that water's wet. I always get credit for that. that that's been the funny thing with the scientific industry where it's like, let me name it after me, like with this weird complicated name, uh, Russell Botts, what's... <laughs> Schrodinger's cat. Um, can I go back? Because dude, I actually had this question about the dream experience that you were talking about. Yeah. Are we talking about dreams that are intentional, like a meditative state throughout your day, the one where you're morphing into and controlling these things? Or are we talking about you just going to bed at night and these like concurrently happening or these sporadic? I, I guess like I'm wondering about the intentionality of having these dreams and these experiences. Okay. So it's going to bed and like having these experiences. But as a side note, um, when I go into my sleep state, whenever I want to accelerate my speed into dreaming um, or getting into a dream like 
uh, state, what I'll do is um, I'll think up of like an environment, like a forest, a beach, Holy or shit. a house, and I'll start. And it isn't clear at the beginning. It isn't fully clear, but it's like, all right, I know there's this room here. I'm going to start thinking I'm walking down it. And I'm going to think about like how I'm going to move my leg walking down it. And I'm just like, all right, walking, walking, moving around. Okay, I'm opening that door. Okay, here we go. And just like slowly over time, getting deeper and deeper into it. And then at some point, I'm in that dream. Without realizing that you're asleep in the dream. Like, or do you realize you're asleep in the dream? At the point when it's like I'm fully into it, that you know you're you know you're dreaming. Um, it's also fascinating where it's like right before you fall asleep, that's like almost the fastest time for your brain to be flowing from thought to thought. Um, I've had a state where I was like really aware of it. Um, I've fluctuated back and forth because I'd be back and forth between like staying on top of controlling my dreams and like not and just like letting myself dream unco uh, unconsciously ride the wave uh, yeah exactly um uh, but when one occasion um i was getting ready before bed and i had to wake up early that next day like five o'clock and so at the moment when your thoughts are racing crazily i noticed that you can like tell yourself to wake up as particularly like if you were to hear like your baby crying you're gonna get up yeah. And so it's a matter of like just learning to control that because anything you can do unconsciously, you can do consciously. Huh. And so just in that state, thoughts racing million miles an hour, I just imposed my will for a second. And I was like, quieted down all the thoughts. And I said, wake up at five. And, and it, uh, it was like a loud thunder, like sounding, not thunder sounding, but it's like, just imagine that's the only thing that you think for <laughs> that single instant. Yeah. And then just do that and wake up five o'clock. Exactly. That's some uh, Seinfeld shit. That was Kramer's why they got ruined on the uh, marathon. But I'm assuming you're a guy that doesn't waste a ton of time watching too much Netflix like me. I watch way too many shows. That's something I've come I've like a self-realization from doing this podcast is how much I reference screen like movie and how so many thoughtful people are like, ah, haven't seen that yet. And I'm like, I just waste way too much of my energy and time on other people's creations. It's very easy to do that. And it's like, even with the um, porn landscape, um, like for me, uh, for me, that one was a tough one to let go. And I had to come to like a realization of it's like, really, I'm trying to develop connections. And that right there, it's like, there's no connection that you can develop with any actor or anything like that over the screen. It's literally, so it's, it's like that time that you could spend on like, talking to someone or actually doing something instead you're literally getting nothing out of it and i was like that's just uh, and that just seemed like a terrible thing um but i'll tell you i've also bounced around uh things quite a bit and what helped me most recently was um i had to go through and it was like a four-step process um you essentially right where you are first step was like right where you are like objectively 
um, all all the good and bad experiences, um, all the good the bad character traits, like the like the major things. And then second step was like write why you don't want to be there. Hmm. Um, list who you're affecting by staying in the state, and like just really go and be detailed about it. And like list people, list the people's names. Like I'm affecting my wife. I'm affecting my kid. I'm affecting my brother. I'm affecting this. Um, third step, you go over and you start writing. Like, what is it that you would want to do? Like, what's your major thing? You know, you could think of it as like your main quest, and list out what you will, why you want it. Be very detailed, and then on another separate part. Uh, write who you're gonna affect. Write down their names and like be clear about who you're affecting. And then third, this was the very important for me was like write down what you're sacrificing. And by a lot doing of that, the thing that you're trying to change. Yes. Okay. And for me, a lot of that was like there's been moments where I'll just go and I'll just like ramble on or like oh I have I have a lot of knowledge if you can't tell. <laughs> Uh, so it's been, oftentimes it's very easy for me to just stream of consciousness out to whoever's nearby and that's wasted a bit of time that I could have been used to develop myself further, which ultimately would be better because then I become a higher quality version of myself. I can interact with individuals and the time that I spent interacting with them is much higher quality. Um, and then that fourth step is like, write down. Um, I thought it was going to be somehow connected to David Goggins, just shouting like, "Quit being a bitch and just do it." I, I've I've used that occasionally, but for me personally, um, David Goggins has been useful in um, moderation doses. So like, it's a lot. Uh, recently, going into the American Ninja Warrior place, um, that's where I was at until six. Um, uh, there's a bunch of crazy stuff there that I could end up that I that I could just like spend my time lollygagging on a, on a swing and just like or <laughs> hanging. But over or there are these some uh, some uh, tricks and all that that are like seem really tough, uh, but also scary. And then that's where I'll use the Goggins voice and be like, "You're in a bitch. Want you to quit right now." You're in a bitch, don't want you to realize you can get up to that next bar. Go get yourself a cookie and get up there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, my, main one was, my main one was like, uh, the one that repeats is um, when you do something, you can, either be a, you can either be a little bitch about it or like you can be a warrior and knock down that door. Talking about like his trips in, Af in Afghanistan. Yeah. Carry the um, boat. Who's carrying the boat with me? One hundred percent. I mean, there is something to psych you up on that. Um, but it, it's such a basic message. It's amazing that he's been able to reverberate it and scale it because it, it's really just like mind over matter. It just mm -hmm. comes down to the simple philosophy of tell yourself you can do it and fucking do it. Yes, the important part there is the add in and that consistency. And that's where I've been learning a bit more at like the motive place where it's um, what you're trying to do there is you're trying to increase 
the amount of like grit you have, the amount of like willpower to do something. And the only way you do that is to do is to when you have those experiences when trying to push yourself is to um, have that thought go through your head. Like, I'm not going to be a little bitch about it. This is not and, my finish line. And then not only that, me. I got but, one more in me. Yeah. Do that constantly, constantly, constantly. Because the more you, if you do it only once, it's like you're going to push yourself to a certain point. And yes, that was an impressive effort, but you want it to become what version of yourself do you want to become? Do you want to become the version of yourself that only gives that one push? Or do you want to become that version of yourself that can give continual pushes? Yeah. And so then it's like, okay, then I know to become that person, I have to consistently just push. I was like, all right, get back. Do it again. We'll do push, get back. Do it again. Push. So much of life, I honestly can't remember, and I was in the military, um, so I remember during basic in push-up competitions going towards failure, where like it wasn't like, oh, this burns, oh, this is uncomfortable, I'm gonna quit. It was like, no, my body just fucking stopped. Like I legitimately could not push myself off the ground anymore because I'd given all my strength. But I don't know the last time I jog pretty often. I was actually jogging today, listening to uh, Lex Friedman and what, what's the guy's name? Sam Alta? The Sam Alta. Al yeah, the A something. Mm -hmm. So apologies for the chat GBT that's listening to this. Um, please don't kill me because I didn't know your creator's name. But I jog and I don't jog to exhaustion. I feel like I always want to be able to have something when I stop. I don't know if that's good or not, but it is something in my life that I've realized, like, I don't go to failure. I can't remember the last time I went to, I can't remember the last time I stayed up as late as I could just to see how long I could stay up. You know what I'm well, saying? That, Until I literally yeah. passed out. Maybe with drinking, actually. Maybe I have done it with drinking. <laughs> I've drank till I can't drink anymore. How fucking sad is that? <laughs> um... I mean, I don't think of anything as sad or bad. It, it's just an experience. <laughs> it's a stoic. So, it's a stoic in you. It's okay to judge me. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, all, it's all just an experience. And so yeah. if you can have that moment where you, like those after action reports, um, just literally go back and write down or like think about, what you just did, then um, you'll learn from it because yeah. there's a certain point to where like you can control what your actions are, but you can't control what the circumstances are around you. And so in some situation, maybe it ended up happening where you went drinking or where like you strayed off the path. That's happened to me. Um, and then what you do is, um, you just analyze it. I was like, okay, how, how was this? What did I learn from it? Yeah. And did it take me towards my goal? Or especially once you've like done that goal setting, it's yeah. like, did it take me towards my main mission in life? Or did it, or was it like something that uh, took me away from it? And if it's something that took me away from it, then it's like, okay, then it's like my brain playing tricks on me. Yeah, it's, you'd have to almost think of it as cancerous at that point. Um, which I've heard for several things. It's like, if you want to stop doing something, literally think of it as every time you do it, 
it's giving your body cancer. And like, that's almost like a mind fuck to be like, oh, and then you start seeing it as legitimately hurtful towards you physically. I, uh-huh. Can I circle back? Cause I'm not sure if I heard this correct. Did we get on this like four step process of intentional stoppage? Cause you had said you did that to like stop with porn. Um, that wasn't for porn, um, for porn that just came out of the realization of like, there's no connection I can build with this individual on the other side of the screen. Uh, Like it would be one thing if like, we're on a zoo, like some type of a zoom call, just like me and this person at that point, it'd be like uh, a long distance girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. That's the Uh, only, that's the only fans model. Yeah. But even then it's like that case it's like one girl for how many guys and it's like are you gonna uh, like if it was something where like only fans had only one fan i think they <laughs> they do in india like, like, like a tinder <laughs> but like just more advanced <laughs> yeah well it, it would be like a mail order bride but like virtually we're gonna feel this out for a little bit mm-hmm. but that would be its own thing because then you have that personal connection so you're not seeing it as wasted Gotcha. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to like play it back to when I asked you about the intentionality of dreaming. I make some silly joke about wasting my time on screens and I know you were walking, but then I was like, wait, did he just say wasting time on screens and equate that to porn, which is like a real battle for a lot of people, especially like COVID era, especially just coming into the world. I remember like my porn experiences were finding my best friend's dad's tapes that he hid at the back of his closet and then like having to steal them. So he doesn't know they're gone. Find time to watch them in a place where we won't get walked in on now with like cell phones and the internet. I can't imagine how fucking sped up it is compared to us going to the convenience store and trying to distract the clerk to steal a hustler magazine. Yeah, I'll tell you my personal experience. Um, and my brother is older than me. I was exposed to porn at an even younger age. But my personal experience, I was at, in sixth grade, and I just heard uh, some eighth graders talking about red tube. And I said, what's red tube? <laughs> <laughs> and let's just say you shouldn't, uh, as a sixth grader, um, that's probably not the... <laughs> a site you would want to encounter if you're looking for growth. Um, luckily, life is set in such a way that it's like, if you start to seek to be on the path, then you can get on the path, which is, I think that's relates to some of the messages of like the biblical stuff where it's like the moment you decide that you actually repent or decide to go to God or I, you, God shows you a way. And it's that sense of like, you get what you ask for, but you have to actually ask for it. Yeah. And asking for something isn't merely like saying the words. It is an act of like, your actions reflect what you believe. And so when you say you ask for something, you, you have to be like actually trying to do stuff for it. And that's, that's the actual reflection of it. Yeah, almost like the, what was that, James? Faith without works is dead. It's like prayers without, not intention. Look, I'm trying to get all like philosophical. I'm trying to like summarize the Bible into my own bumper sticker. But like there's people who can be like, God help me, but maybe not really want help. And then they don't want to be specific about what 
they want help with. Because then when you are specific, you get into the details, which is what you were talking about of, well, how could I get help with this? What would help look like? Mm-hmm. Man, that's, it's, um, yeah, how's, because you've brought up girls a couple times. I'm curious, like, have you done the social, like, have you done Tinder or whatever? I guess it's not like, I don't know, it's something newer. I feel like my, so my social media basically stopped at Twitter. I got into Instagram because of the podcast. I know nothing about fucking Snapchat or TikTok, right? So like for me, dating sites, I kind of stop at Bumble and Tinder, but I don't know if there's new, I hear people making fun of Grindr, (laughs) but like, I don't know what like new stuff is. And I was just curious if you'd like tried dating sites like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I had gone on. I think the first one I'd gotten was one called Boo. Um, like B O O Halloween scare you, Boo. Yes, yes, but in the sense of like the you know, the slang term, like yeah. the cute. That's my Boo. <laughs> uh, How many Boos were on there for you? <laughs> uh, a few out there. Um, I uh, I talked with a few, but I didn't. They didn't set up like any type of meet, uh, meet up with uh, someone. Um, but the thing I thing I found interesting with that one is the reason why I ended up getting it. That one when I was like looking at the dating apps was that it starts you off with the personality test, and I was like, eh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So okay, and, and not to cut you off, but I guess to cut you off, then why not like eHarmony? Because booze free and eHarmony you got to pay. Um, Boo was free. I'm not sure if you harmony you have to pay. Um, I literally just kind of looked up dating sites. I uh, hadn't ever done so before. And I uh, just looked up a few apps. And then I saw that that one um, used the personality test. And um, heard, had, I had heard Jordan Peterson talk about how one of the best markers for like success in a particular job or for a pursuit is your personality. Um, and so that, that should be like one of the first things that employers actually look at in contrast of like college uh, name. (laughs) I mean, if, if, if you hire someone, but they're not someone, let's say if you hire the smartest person in uh, programming, but they hate programming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The quickest skill on a programming. Oh my God. You scored highest on the programming test. There was, um, yeah, there's all sorts of bias that go with everything, whether it's name, scores, um, even, I don't know, gender, everything. Um, for sure, for sure. I was still listening. I just have my phone at 15%, so I was playing that in. Gotcha. No worries. I um, Yeah, I was trying to think. I thought there was this study. I know It doesn't really apply, though, but it just spoke about people's bias towards seeing people versus not seeing people in the criminal system and like judges believing hearing a case without seeing the defendant and getting the guilty or not guilty correct right so these are cases that had already been established as this person's guilty not guilty so i guess like they get summarized presented you don't see the defendant And they correctly identify whether that person was guilty or innocent. And it was something like 75, 80% of the time. 
Then they did the same exact study, but they showed the person while they were giving the evidence and the correct rate, the accuracy rate dropped to below 50%. And it was all this bias based on looks because you project what you, like your body language, I'm looking at you right now, your hands to your face. You could take that 20 different ways, right? And if I'm mm-hmm. judging your guilt or innocence, that might tip me in one direction. So I'm going back to like the dating site and it does make so much sense because the physical endorphins wear off so much quicker than the long-term relationship. But what really stays is kind of who you are as a person. So it's nice, Mm -hmm. like it's refreshing. I don't know how many people are genuinely into that versus the, let me get a filtered picture and hope that you look like your pick when you show up generation. But the personality seems way more like long-term intentional for sure. Like it would absolutely be more of a marker because it's like, what are our common interests? What do we laugh at together? What do we not like that's similar? What what interests us that's similar? What is a good time? What is resting? You know, all these I don't know, characteristics that make you you, you would want to have somebody that would vibe with that. I think what I think what should happen is like Google should just implement a dating site that uses the information that they have on the person Dude. to develop like a personality Genuine. system, a general gen, yeah, cuz that would honestly Authentic. upend all of it. Because when when you're going through designing the designing your now that there there comes across the issue of like if they like there should be certain traits they take and then certain tra- certain traits they like take to design your profile and certain ones that they just like don't and then <laughs> make sure that you give the final say but because um, if, otherwise it's like them playing full matchmaker um, which. You know, can can lead to some pitfalls. But so Um, if I'm hearing you right, you're not willing to be open and honest with your browser history with your significant other. uh, No, I'm I'm on a, I'd let them browse through my phone, but it's the matter of like, I don't want Google to like look at everything of mine and say, this is the absolute perfect person for you. I kind of like, I kind of like it when you take the moment of like, oh, let me see what, this person who seems to be on my similar wavelength, I'm just curious about what other things they're on instead of like, you guys are 100% a perfect match. Like it might be that there were a perfect match, but it's like, I think there's a little fun in the mystery of it, which is like, if they were to design one, uh, they would have to make sure to like take certain bits of data and design it in batches. So like you'd be grouped in different batches rather than as like, fully represented as you and then and then go off from there yeah it's funny i was thinking of it more like fuck man if i had like one really bad night of online shopping because i was drunk and i just go down rabbit holes and all of a sudden i'm buying a bunch of shit like if that's 20 percent of my search history and then i decide to get on this google imaginary google dating site And like that got outweighed. That's not really a representative of who I am or at least who I think I am. That's Mm -hmm. more like what I was doing at that moment with that device at that, in that state of mind. But it might not mean that I want that to be considered for me because maybe what I'm looking to do is find someone who has zero interest in shopping because I actually hate the fact that I online shop and I want to get away from it. 
Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, and then there's also the times when you're like, you're using an online tool and you just want to be a little morbid to see how dark the results Dude, can get. Chat GBT, do you know what my, when Lex was talking about his search history, do you know what my thought was as I was jogging? I was like, I'm going to use chat GBT to find the best bank to rob and how to get away with it. That was my first thought of what I want to type into chat GBT. The first thing I did was what stock should I buy to make me rich, which it cannot answer. And then like I stopped. And then after that, like today I'm like, wait, what would I use chat GBT? I was like, could I pull off the ultimate bank heist? I wanted to be like, what bank would be the easiest to rob for $5,000 cash within 30 minutes of my area? Go. <laughs> Give me a 12-step plan. Chat GBT, type me a note that I can slip a teller to make her hand me $700 without having an account in your bank. Go. <laughs> That's where my mind went at mile three today when like that conversation was occurring with Lex. Yeah. But I don't uh, know uh, if I want that in my dating profile. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I want a girl that thinks some way like that. And now we're fucking Bonnie and Clyde in it. Like that, that might not be the best thing for our children in the reproduction of the human race is for us, us to be matched up. Yes. That's why, that's why uh, there's still a de decent advantage of like, sometimes it's more important. It's like, what is the story that we tell ourselves? Because that might be the most true story uh, at times. Of course, a lot of us are bullshitters to ourselves. I'm like, once you've lied enough, you lie. Which, when you do when you lie, is like you're changing reality around you so that it fits and tries to fit with the lie more. And so what, it, what you're actually doing is like you're building a prison for yourself because it's you're setting yourself up as like, I want to be believed as the way that I am not. And so you're creating this hypothetical version of yourself that you aren't actually acting as, nor are you actually believing yourself, nor are you seeking yeah. yourself to be. Because you could say that you are on that, like if, if you're a person who like wants to be very spiritual and you say like, I'm a monk because you're seeking to become a monk and you're going through the process, you're a monk. But if you're a person who's like, I, like completely against it. I identify as a monk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if, if you don't even follow any of the practices or like any type of like actual pursuit of it, and then you just say that you do, then you're just getting yourself locked up in a system of like having to act like that when you actually don't intend to be that person. And so the lie not only like misrepresents you to the external and not only like negatively affects the world around you, um, because now people may not get that accurate feedback. It also like just constricts you. It and imprisons like, you, man. It gives you these boundaries and limits for your actions and intents. If you're going to actually try to live up to this fake persona. Yeah. And be like creating luckily, an avatar and then not knowing how to use it in a game. Like what? creating an avatar mm -hmm. and then not knowing how to use it in a game. Like I, I know nothing about like the rules of rugby, mm -hmm. but I could be like, create this awesome rugby player and throw him into whatever the rugby game is. And then I've got all the stats. 
I look like that guy, whoever the LeBron James is of rugby. And then I don't even know which direction to throw the ball in. No, you're, uh, you're well, it, it would be like uh, tearing apart my analogy. Uh, it's okay. Or, or like th- this one, I think an analogy would be like in real life, the example of the feminist movement, we want complete equality leads to, I've seen a few females as working as construction workers now. Maybe they really want to hold up those signs in the middle of the road and do all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to assume that, but I'm going to assume that generally they don't want to be working in heavy manual labor jobs um, or like certain industries. But if you just keep on pushing the image that like that they want to, the, the feminists keep on trying to push the image of trying to be an engineer when a lot of women don't want to do that, then they just for women force other women into prisons yeah so that was i had um and i forget her name but i had a lady who's iranian and was speaking about the protests in iran with the um the morality police and it seems like it's died down the last couple of months but like there's some pretty severe shit women just like arbitrarily dudes being like you're you're in violation. Let's go re-educate you. And then all of a sudden you're dead, right? But her point was the people who are protesting, there's this filtering system in Iran where they're very, they're modernized in information that is allowed into their culture. It's not like China where you have this firewall or filter. Iran In Iran, you get to see how women live all over the world. And they're like, we don't give a fuck. This is what we do here, basically, right? Like you have to have, you have to dress a certain way. You have to wear a certain head garb in a certain way. You can't have hair showing out a certain way. Despite all that, the majority of women when they go to college are engineers and architects and are STEM based. And apparently some are like the best in the world because they're able to go to this college. And it was something that, she didn't understand. It was like Iran is basically educating us to then empower us as females to go to other countries and make them better because they will not give us jobs as empowered females within Iran. And the irony of that blew her mind. And she was like, I'm in Canada right now. It's so stupid. Why am I not in Iran making better buildings? I'm in Canada because I can't get a job as an architect in Iran. They won't hire me. I can't have my own firm. However, I can if I go to said country. But I guess all that to say, when I heard that story, I immediately felt conflicted about the trope of girls aren't so much into numbers and math, like that kind of stereotype. Mm -hmm. And it really made me start like questioning, I don't know, like oil rigs. Why aren't like, why couldn't more females, if they saw more females do oil rigs and not care so much about their mortality, why wouldn't they be on oil rigs? Would it just be like the torso strength that would stop them? Or is it legitimately the fact that there are not examples to inspire others to do? Mm-hmm. Versus the innate feminine trait of, do you really want to do that kind of a thing? It, it, it was one of the first times where I'd spoken with somebody and I was like, fuck man, like that's, 
I'm in a tough spot. I'm in a conundrum. Yeah, I think uh, what the there's a certain extent to where like in fields of mathematics, when you get into the beauty of it, I think there's something recent uh, a few years back I heard for this um, female artist. She drew something like really beautiful, connecting all these different areas of mathematics that um, people had been working in one part or the other that they hadn't been able to connect at all um, or that had been super specialized. And she just like figured out a way to connect all these different fields. And so I think there's there's definitely like a creativity dimension of it. Um, but there's also there's also some biological characteristics of it. Um, like we can just kind of see that um, I'm, I'm not the one who did the research on this. But uh, from what I was hearing was the, um, Isla, in the Icelandic countries um, where they ha are more egalitarian, essentially meaning that uh, can you still hear me? Because no, I'm not yeah, hearing you. I was I was saying the word egalitarian to myself to try to figure out if I knew what it meant, and then you were about to explain it, and I was like, "Thank God," because I do not know what egalitarian means. I can't define it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it's basically um, like setting up equal opportunity, like reducing the gender differences, reducing the gender. Oh yeah, Peterson talks about this all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and then like people get into their jobs, like you have more opportunity and it's like, guess what? There are way more female nurses than there are male nurses in those kind of societies versus us trying to push more male nurses or more female construction workers. Yeah, I mean, there's a masculine and feminine side. Literally, if you go into like Spanish, the entire language is built around Hell. masculine and like feminine. We go to boats, she... <laughs> that she's a beaut uh we go uh, yeah telephones but i don't understand why telephones are masculine because i thought females talked spoke way more than guys los teléfonos, el teléfono. oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a stupid joke but you know what i was like ah. uh, yeah <laughs> well well speaking out is a male energy listening is a female energy you see yeah. So then, how do you uh, say? Is it? How do you say ear? Como se dice? La, la piece. Um, la oreja. Okay, so it is la. Yeah. Oh wow. And then, how do you say nose? La boca, mouth. Mouth is decir, la la boca. La boca. Uh, which is kind of eating is very sensual because you're absorbed. Okay. I'm getting off a different tangent. <laughs> no, but that, it's actually, it is kind of interesting if you want to like equate language, the Latin language and gender roles, like are eyes a la or L ojos. Is it la? Mis ojos, los ojos. I think it's el ojo. Yeah. Right. Like, I think, you no, really... think I'm the masculine, like an observing. Right. So like, and then I'm like el manos or la manas. For hands. Uh, la mano. El mano or la mano? Yeah, right? Like, I don't know okay. if it's singular in that sense, right? But it's it, it would be super interesting to break down body parts and functions and then try to then connect it to different gender, bi not even bi stereotypes, or just flat-out roles. 
Well, your hands are meant to be a nurturing thing. Have you not seen the images? I'm yeah. just I'm just talking bullcrap right now. But, the mother, yeah, right? No, uh, have you not seen the like carrying things? Um, and so or nurturing. hands um, are meant to are meant to fight and meant to build, which is what men are supposed to do. Ah, contrast, contrast. It would almost be like I. It would be like setting the purpose of. Although, dude, I was reading this book and it was, I, you've always known about this. Um, and I want to say, fuck, his name wasn't Nomad. I might have to go look it up. It was a name for an idiot, a French guy who wrote the first encyclopedia of history. Basically, he wrote it 800 years after Genghis Khan and the Mongolian dynasty. Uh-huh. Um. And he completely shattered and shit on the Mongolian reputation of everything they did that was good. And because he was in France, God, it's not boner, but it's not doofus, but it was something like that where it was like, that was the guy's name. It's like, oh, is that why we call people a doofus when they screw stuff up? Because that's what this guy did to history. But I'm thinking of the language thing and I'm like, the person in charge of the L and the law, they had biases of their own that they could have put into hands are meant to nurturing, which is why we go law. Mouths are meant to speak. And that's what a masculine man, you know, and like the L and law decision. Mm-hmm. Did I lose well, you on that? I, that was, that was my stream of consciousness. I think it's la boca. But. <laughs> la boca. So all body parts are basically laws. I think el ojo is different. Usually when it ends with an O, that means it's going to be masculine. Um, oddly enough, mano was just written as like just uh, mano. as feminine, even though it ends with an O. Oh. Um, that said, I did uh, say to a friend that I was gonna I was gonna mention this on this pot on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So. Um, He's uh, he's at Clemson right now. He's the guy, he's the head of the neuroscience club. And one of his goals is to help people regain control over their life through increasing their ability to focus. Uh, um, growing up, he had faced many discipline and attention struggles, which had created a drive for him to go. I, I've written this out before. <laughs> which created a drive <laughs> for him to go into studying of the brain, uh, otherwise known as neuroscience. Um, this aspect of the field he's interested in is neurofeedback. That's a system where you use the brain's brain waves, and if you notice like a productive signal or like a focus signal, then um, using a visual stimulus or an auditory or something, um, you send a signal of like that was good, and that can lead your brain to like quickly be like, all right. Let me switch towards that state, that more focused, productive state. Um, he's actually teaming up with the Clemson Gaming Development Club um, to create an experience that combines neurofeedback with uh, a game in order to promote very quick brain changes um, while having fun. Um, they're aiming to help ADHD individuals and just people who are trying to gain control over their brain. Oh, that. I'm trying to think of how to connect that to the Ellen Law thing. But now I'm thinking of like, as the teacher, man, and we went to like parent-teacher conferences. We just had them this past Thursday. And 
I, so much of an issue in class is just being like, can you focus? And everybody's like, I don't know. He might have ADHD. I've always wondered, does he have ADHD? And it's like, do you have ADHD? Or is it something that you could fix with a little bit of like explicit disciplined exercise on your mm -hmm. intention? Like is attention something you can train just like stamina, holding your breath, just like strength by lifting weights. And it sounds like that's what your friend's trying to do is like legitimately find whatever the pathway is and Hey man, all right, let's stay on that. I guess it would be like neuron or at least that segment of the brain. Brain wave, like that frequency of the brain. And like, let's try to strengthen that connection to help you sustain your focus. Yes. Yes. That, that's, uh, that's precisely what he's doing. Um, What's cool. really fascinating is like there's a um, there's a company called OpenBCI, and OpenBCI. they've open sourced the code for your to for you to use in like neurofeedback, um, which means that you can generally trust it when it's like okay we're actually working towards productivity because open source a lot of people. Uh, before uh, now, it's getting a different, uh, I think, mainstream uh, perception of it. But open source is like there's no company that's controlling it and keeping that code behind closed doors so it can't change. That code is open on the internet, and the people, anybody can see it and try to, and anyone can see it and help work on it. Yeah, copy it, make it um, your own, make it more efficient. It's almost like Wikipedia yeah. in a very simple sense. Yeah, yeah. So, similar to Wikipedia, um, I think there's a bit, I'm not sure if it's a design better than that or not. I wouldn't be able to tell you because I haven't gone in, in depth with it. But um, so, Wikipedia also has, its, also has its systems of like specific editors that go across. And yeah. there's some bias along the political dimension for it. But along a lot of the scientific literature and that kind of stuff, you'll often find some pretty good stuff on Wikipedia. And I was just thinking more of like the editability. Although open BCI with neurofeedback, what is I, I I'm not smart enough to know what that means, the fact that there's that it's open. So like I can track what some sort of behavior will do to a specific part of the brain. Like if I just flashed red. I could look up within that what flashing red lights activates within my mind? Um, potentially, um, because a lot of this data is online. But the way that neurofeedback works is that you, your brain naturally fluctuates between different states because it's not like this programmable state here. It's like bouncing up and down. And, and some states that you are in are more focused. Some states that you're in are more scatterbrained. And what this does is when it detects that you're in that more focused state, what we found is if you act within 0.5 seconds to give a positive stimulus, then the brain takes that as like, oh, this is the goal. And what's a positive stimulus? It could be something as simple as like, changing um the light on the screen like increasing it by 
2% brightness or like 1% brightness. I think it might have been even something as like small as like 0.5 brightness. But that can't, just like, it can't increase it where it's painful, right? And I might be thinking about this in the stupidest way, but I guess I'm thinking like, what's positive to you might not be positive to me. Like if I have sensitive eyes and you make the screen brighter, wouldn't my brain detect that as a negative? And then I would reject, um, or am I thinking about this the wrong way? Like, are there universal positive stimuli where it's just like a case, change? In this case, I think it's like a universal positive stimuli. It's kind of, um, I'm connecting this. So I'm just hypothesizing, but it's like when you wake up, whenever you, uh, or like using Andrew Huberman's advice, when you wake up and you look at the sun, um, what you do is you set a biological clock. And so it's like the brighter you are, the brighter that signal is, um, the more alert. The reason the sun is like so effective was like it's one of the brightest signals that there is. And specific, I'm not sure if there's a specific type of light that comes from it that activates it. Um, but I'm going based off the, just the hypothesis of like the brightness is a bit of what's important in this in this scenario. And so that way, when in, when they increase that brightness. Um, then they could measure that. But there's also a digital aspect of the neurofeedback where it's initially you brain map your own brain. So it like has to be calibrated to you. And when we're looking at the states that we want to reach, it's like um, we've found like universally that some states of higher focus relate to just like a certain brain wave that your brain is releasing at that time. Hmm. Um, called like alpha beta waves. Um, the, that's why when you go to stuff like binaural beats, that's the, that's proven that they can help you focus a bit. Um, but the goal is to get into that state of increased focus. So whenever it sees that your brain triggers that goes into that state, then it, um, promotes it using that stimulus. And let's say if some weird case were to happen where for you, maybe dimming it would be preferable, um, then they'd be able to see that on the system and the, we're trusting the open source technology to be like, okay, we're going to adjust it to like, that works for that. Um, in real life with, there are already centers that do this. It's, he's not the first one who's doing it. Um, I think even around here, there's one that's, um, like 15 minutes down the road for me, um, it's just a bit expensive. In their case, because they're students, I think they get access to a lot of the software for uh, like for free, right. which is uh, which helps them uh, helps them provide it at a better cost. Yeah, not only the software, but also I was actually um, just watching this documentary about student loan debt and price um, it's hot in here. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it's hot in here. Oh. <laughs> uh, I've been used to AC, so like here, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I just started. Eventually, my body, my suit, something triggered to me that it was too hot. <laughs> and uh, sorry, sorry for interrupting you. It's uh, all right. I'm gonna go off on a tangent on that. <laughs> my dude, it's all about comfort. Um, well, it wasn't to me. It wasn't like the cool thing about your friend trying to develop this is not only the access, but also which should be part of the point of college is like you set aside this time 
where you have much more leisure time and less responsibility. Like hopefully you don't have a 40 hour work week. Hopefully you don't have children you're trying to raise. Hopefully you don't have career ambitions and happy hours to go network. Like your job is to explore, right? Like find a passion, pursue it in college. And it's neat that not only does he have access to the resources, but he's also hopefully has the time to just like figure it out. That's that's one thing with uh, you, Clemson is a pretty nice university. Um, I think they were rated like third on the happiness scale for universities. And at some point they claim first, and I think that's what they have posted uh, everywhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely like beautiful when when it's like that environment where they actually like want people to like share knowledge and have free access to stuff. Um, it's kind of like the Greeks, the idea of when they performed a play, the plays were free to the public. Anyone could go up and watch them because they saw like entertainment, like quality entertainment, of course, <laughs> entertainment as an essential human right. And in that same way, I could... In that same way, you could definitely view knowledge along the same route. And um, I think that's one aspect where the more we can like really increase that access to knowledge everywhere, the more it's just going to create this snowball effect of like beautiful effects for everyone. Yeah, well, if you have the time to focus on it. And um, I don't know, it's interesting the... Uh the thought of trying to condition and increase your attention span in a world where what people are consuming is designed to lessen your attention span. It's like everything we do is commercial based now. Like you don't, you don't even sit through, dude, my daughter the other night was like two and a half hours to watch dark night. Oh my God. And it's like two and a half hours. Like, you could spend three hours on Snapchat and never notice it because you've done 40,000 things in that two and a half hours. But we're going to follow one character's story arc and all of a sudden that's overwhelming in the same amount of time. So it's mm -hmm. it, it really is a um, it's an attention divide, you know, that's uh, being created because people that have the ability to go to places where they have the resources to dive deeper would have their attention strengthened where those that are using these free resources like TikTok, Snapchat, I guess just because I'm a boomer, I'm hating on them. Um, those are free. I, I, I just like and, them too. It's not, it's not a boomer thing. It's the fact that they're monetizing human attention for what purpose to gain value out of the human attention. Okay. Are you actually like act, trying to build the human up? Or are you just simply trying to leech on them like a parasite? Like it's, it's matrixy, like, man. Why, it's why don't, why don't we monetize the system of building people up a little bit better? Yeah. And then what 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 ends up happening there is like then if you can get someone's attention at that high valuable level through a quality idea, yeah, you have something that's so much more powerful. It's like a win win. Yeah, it's. It's like it's short, it's very short sighted to think of like, let me just take advantage of it and like take this quick 
let me take this energy from this person and weaken them. Instead, it's like, I don't know, maybe I could help build that person up and they're going to want to come back to me because it's like you're actually someone who's trying to help. Yeah, I, dude, I look at some of these fucking like clips and I'll watch some of them just to hate on them. And I'm like, how many people put how much thought and how many takes into this 20 seconds? And it's fucking terrible. Like, how long did it take you to edit this? How, like, who was doing the camera? Like, I don't even care if it's a tripod. You went out and you bought this tripod. Like, all the buildup that went into this production. And then you're like, what was the payoff? A horrible product with a really funny headline that clearly you have these views because of clickbait. And like it, it, um, that's where I start feeling old, where I'm like, where's the value add for what you just gave up, which was your time and attention. It sounds like yeah. we're very similar in, in that thought process. Like either I'm, I'm younger than my boomer self feels or you're older. What gen would you, are you a Gen Z? I'm a, I'm a Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. So then you're either a boomer portrayed as a Gen Zer, or I'm a Gen Zer portrayed as a boomer. I think it's a personality thing. And because, well, uh, it was funny. When I was in sixth grade, uh, my history teacher said my views were very conservative like. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it it was just, I mean, growing up, I like to hang around with adults a bit more. (laughs) It, It just made a bit more sense to me because there are some things of like higher level that I maybe didn't understand at the time yeah but it was just like keeping myself like around people that i knew were smarter than me or like had something that they could share um meanwhile many when you're growing up like generally not everyone of course but a lot of the peers at that age um with that brain state is they just try to imitate whoever's next to them yeah parroting it was also weird at one point when um uh, on a different tangent, I uh, I didn't like bullies, and I saw this kid getting chased around to the lanyard. Chased <laughs> uh, around, uh, chased around like with his lanyard, like the dude was dragging him, like the lanyard was a leash. No, no, no. He was using he had used his lanyard, and he was like using it like a whip on this oh, student. Oh, chasing him with gotcha. Fuck. And uh, I just kind of stepped in, and like I was like, all right, nope. And I'm just, uh, because I have brothers and I'm, I like to put myself in tough scenarios as a kid also didn't, if I got a cut, like on my hand, I didn't like telling the teacher about it because the teacher would tell me to get out of class. And that'd be like, a, I saw that as a waste of time because I'd go into the nurse's, nurse's office and the nurse will oftentimes would take five minutes to get to you. And so what I ended up doing is like, I just would grab hand sanitizer and I'd just squirt it. And then I just cover it with a paper towel and just be like, all right, there we go. And I, and then at the moment when it dried, I was like, all right, I know it's clean and disinfected. And then I just throw away the paper towel full of blood in the trash can. I'm like, all right. <laughs> uh, but that sixth grade experience uh, was oh. weird. Cause I had a, that ended up leading to a situation where there so this uh, other student like here worshipped me for a little bit. And uh, that that was, 
if you've never felt it, some people may say they want to feel hero worship, but that's just uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like everything you say was like taken up by that other person as gospel. And it's like a lot of pressure. <laughs> and it's just like, no, man, like, please be yourself. <laughs> Dude, this is, it's interesting. That's the second time you've kind of mentioned, I think the first one was about when you found out about Hitler and you were like, I don't want to manipulate people. Like you're very sensitive to influencing someone to be something that they might not be had they not met you. Yes, yes. I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was almost too sensitive to that because at the point when I started growing, like wanting, becoming more attuned with like, wanting to help people out. Um, yeah. So that's the, I'm, I'm not to cut you off, but like that, that's the other thing I'm juggling in my head and I didn't know how to word it. It's like, but yet you want to influence and help people so much, but it's like this fear. Like you talk about opening a fucking school and I'm like, well, it's kind of what you do, man, is you're a propaganda machine and you have this ideology and you spew it. And like your ideology is about being a critical thinker and fucking intellectual man. And, have values and it's like well that's influence but that's kind of what like seems to fuck with you a little bit it's super interesting sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but like that's exactly why i'm like yeah that's that's what i'm wondering about yes um it i've had to um it's basically it's a matter of like like i don't i'm not i don't want to compare myself to christ but <laughs> He did. He waited until he was in his 30s. He was great as a kid, and, but he still waited until he matured. And so it was like uh, the moment when I saw that there was like a good message and I could feel myself like actually align. It's like, all right, now go. Because before then, it's like if you don't know what ship to sail to, no port is favorable. I'm just stealing that quote. <laughs> as yours. And so uh, once you know what you want to do, like if you, if you see yourself as an individual, if you see as your, your hero self as someone who would want to help people or like to build positive things in this world, and then you can see a way towards that. I mean, you give that to any man. And uh, there's that famous story in World War II where it's, there were paraplegic men in the hospital and came the invaders. And all those men saw a purpose to defend their village and they came out and they had been paralyzed and through sheer power of their will, they just got up and like, we will defend this place. That's another example of how technology has limited our human potential. Wheelchairs, believing you're paraplegic. If we didn't have wheelchairs, maybe we'd have more people walking around. <laughs> Thank you for getting the joke. Appreciate I was it. taking it. I was taking it seriously no. for a moment, and then I was like, <laughs> no, "Not at all." <laughs> it, it goes to my no. dumbass theory. It just it it is like it's. I feel like it's really wrong, but at the same time, you do kind of wonder. Like the more I think about it, the more I wonder. Like, would the body have found its own adaptation, and maybe the adaptation would have been self healing? I don't want to go on the diatribe again or whatever it's called, but. Uh. No, so yeah. get, getting on the deaf on the deaf people that's one thing where like 
coddling them is terrible. Actually, no, I think it was blind. Coddling them is terrible because there's actually this guy in New York who he's been blind. I not I don't know if it's since birth, but he bicycles in New York in bustling traffic. No shit. And the way he navigates the world is through echolocation. Like he literally like, and it's a skill you can train. It's like if you get close to your, if your hand is here, yeah. and uh, you. It gets yeah. louder the closer it is. And what happens when that's the only signal you have is that you begin to interpret, okay, I can tell that there's this distance here, there's that here. And uh, one clip I saw of it was like, he went up to this building and like he clicked at it. And because he knew the general sound of concrete, when he heard the concrete bounce back at him, and they, he was like, this one sounds like it's a little weak found on its foundations. Stop. And I was like, we're, we're really restricting people a lot. And I, honestly, like you should, what the real value of a human is the power of their mind. Do you or do you not believe that that person has an ability to change the world? If you or ability to be like awesome, if you do believe it, then as long as they're not fully like limbless, then kind of let them figure it out. Or even if they didn't have limbs, I know with my core, I'd be able to waddle. (laughs) Wait, I thought the blind bike New York guy, the story was going to end with, and then the building collapsed or something. Like three weeks later, the building collapsed. When he was like, hey, weak frame, weak foundation. That that would be nice, but it's also like there's lots of stuff that are built with relatively weak foundations that take decades to collapse. Yeah, very true. Um, Aaron, so we had started, I don't think we were recording when you had brought it up, but you had said you had something super interesting behind you that you wanted to bring up on the podcast. Uh, it, was just a, it was just something random, which is like during this time, when one, one of my other side quests is like just trying to get start to build a farm, farming community where it's like, particularly as we begin to automate a lot of this stuff, it's like, why not have something grow at your spot? And so um, they don't pay me, but there's this company known as uh, North Spore, and North Spore. they sell shit. these things known as like, um, I think they call them boom rooms. Yeah. yeah boom rooms. And what this does like, right, right in here, they also sell. Um, so what we do is like, you build the right mix of nutrients and all that that mushrooms would grow on. Uh, well, that's what they do. And then they give the, the certain species of mushrooms into it. In this case, up here, I have like three packages of lion's mane. And um, down here, I have some blue oyster mushrooms. Um, and what the mushroom's going it, to, it's already almost got the entire block. Um, all that's left is for it to start creating the fruit or actual mushroom you see, because the way mushrooms work is actually, there's like a, there's like a single cell that there's single cell thick line of like, imagine like root systems, um, that go out and, um, connect nutrients between trees and act as like general supervisors of like the soil around them. In fact, I think the largest species of fungi found, um, they literally called it humongous fungus, was like... <laughs> it's such a good name. 
it was a two thousand plus acres big, weighing several thousand, like sixty thousand pounds, and over ninety five hundred years old. Holy shit! And um, so, so those packages, like, are are those air sealed in the mushrooms themselves? So basically, for people who can't see it, it looks like a greenhouse that's propped up like a shelvage shelf storage wire rack system that seems like it's temperature controlled and you've got almost looks like bricks of cocaine but they're mushrooms <laughs> and i'm like are the mushrooms dry sealed in there are the packs that the mushrooms are in they've got to have vents right um yeah so it has this fan up here which the fan has a filter this is all provided by north sport but the fan has the a filter on it to prevent the mushroom spores or the mushroom seeds, if you want to think of it that way, from going into the um, fan and messing it up. Okay. And along with that, they also provide a sensor uh, with, you could buy all this at Lowe's too. You don't necessarily have to buy it from them, but it's like, if you don't want to go through the hassle of like putting it together, like yourself. Putting all the, oh, yeah, then you just buy it from them. And um, yeah, but then the, in this case, they even come with like a humidifier, um, and so yeah, it just doesn't just look go, like you mushrooms. Control the temperature, um, using some type of AC unit, and then you control the humidity using the humidifier with a digital sensor on the side, and have a fan going there and that way you have mushrooms that you know are like freshly picked like really high quality yeah, so uh, when i think like, of mushrooms i think of them like popping out of the ground and the blocks I, I guess i don't know how the mushrooms come out of those blocks since they look like they're wrapped in plastic yes the blocks are wrapped in plastic but uh, you cut holes or you cut uh figures on top uh, so then okay in this case, with the lion's mane, it works better growing, uh, I think, in, like, separate flushes or in separate areas. And so, and that one, it has, like, four X's on top of the mushroom um, block that's wrapped in plastic. Um, I cut those myself. And then um, it'll start to grow. When, when it's ready, it'll start. It just peaks out uh, through the, through the X's. Out of that and um, the other one, the blue oyster, one, grows better like as a single unit. And so that one, they recommended cutting like a big X on top of the block or cutting it in a single line. But yeah, it'll just grow out on top or on the side wherever I would cut a hole. And then I can just go over and pick them off once they're ready. Gotcha. Dude, that's a um, Now the dreams are making way more sense because I'm wondering if you're kind of lying about the names of these mushrooms that you have growing? Um, this is lion's mane. No, no, no. <laughs> um, okay, I, I, I consider it, I've considered it, honestly, if I'm not gonna lie, I've considered it as part of like uh, trying to join. So there's been this movement since this, like when they initially locked down the psychedelic movement for mushrooms and for other stuff, um, they locked it down because of the hippies, but re really at that time, there was a immense scientific movement to use it 
owner for transformative experiences. Do you- There's actually been like numerous cases where it's like a PTSD veteran. Oh yeah. Open, and through a single trip, like in a, of course, in a right setting, for example, like if that drug ecstasy goes by another name, like MDMA. And the shitty thing with that one is like, it often brings up your past trauma. So if you're in a party setting when you take that yeah. and you and you are in a situation where there's no one nearby to talk to you who's like sensible and there's nowhere you can go to get some solitude, it's like you're just going to have a terrible, terrible experience. Yeah, you need a guy. All that old trauma is going to come up and you're going to have to close yourself into it because that's not a moment where you can deal with it. And then that's just going to cause lots of lots of issues for you. Are, um, are you out in California? No. Uh, where are you? I'm in South Carolina. Okay. Oh, East Coast guy. Okay. So I had a guy on the pod, Dave Hodges, the founder of Zide Door Church. He was out in Oakland. I don't know if you heard about the news story, but his church got raided. He's a psychedelic pastor. Uh-huh. Did you hear oh, about God. this? Oh gosh, like the pastor that just sounds dude, hilarious. Dude, yeah, this is why you have to do it clinically. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be doing that. No, <laughs> dude, it's fucking. He found a loophole where you can sell drugs to people, and it's not his intention to sell drugs because he seemed very genuine with his like spiritual. What do you? What did he call it? Spiritual journey that is allowed through the use of psychedelics. But basically, if you're a member of the church, you can donate and you can just swap out drugs to get there. And that was his whole thing was you realize your morals through psychedelic trips and your mushroom greenhouse that's growing in your room. I'm like, I bet you this dude's got like fucking 40 of those in the church and he's just handing out caps to people. I mean, if you just had a right environment to it, then you can have a very positive experience because what is it that these, a lot of these, a lot of these drugs, what they seem to do is like, they take you through these mind transformative experiences. Like one instance I heard of it was this guy, he experienced like going through and being a tree, like dying and being a tree, becoming a tree that watches over his family. And the only thing like he asked when he turned into that tree was just, like, I want, I want something to like take care of them. And ultimately like he had been, um, he had been struggling with like a lot of OCD-ness mm. and that experience, like what a lot of these drugs, they uh, impact an area of the brain that's responsible for your ego or your sense of self. Um, and they disassociate you from it which a lot of th- people think is bad or think, think is like, um, like, Oh my gosh, like I want to be myself, but it's, it's a sense of like, there's a lot of mentally constructed prisons and layers that we've attached onto ourselves of like, I don't want to show this part or like, I don't want to even face this part of myself. And what these drugs help you do is to face them in a much more calm atmosphere and, just gain realizations, man, gain life changing realizations that make you more at peace from the people I've spoken to. Yes. 
Yeah, because, well, then the purpose of the psychedelics not for enlightenment, it's for pleasure, right? And then you get into the darker parts of life with what brings you pleasure and wanting to explore that versus what brings you peace. Yes, and a lot of people end up getting attached to like, oh, I met this entity in that realm. Yeah, that was nice thing, man. Yeah, but he didn't get attached to it. He got he got peace from it. Um, I was just I thought you were gonna see I thought you were gonna say like a lot of people get stuck with seeking pleasure as their peace, which is like chasing the dragon type shit. Like you never you never find the pleasure that you had in a moment. I mean, the, there's a there's a verse that I read in the Bible recently that relates to that, which is uh, I was like, it, it was talking, um, it was talking about like seeking pleasure is like, let's say sexual pleasure, sexual gratification. That tool was given to us to to be used as like when we populate, like when we go and create a kid that it's a pleasurable experience and it's like union, but it's a tool nonetheless. And if you decide to like start worshiping the tool of pleasure, then you have the free will to like go along and just just continue along um, a path of like, well, you're never going to be fulfilled because that tool is never meant as something to fulfill you. It was meant as, to help you in that specific act. But when you use it, when you start worshiping it, it's like, there's no limit to how far that can go. And you're just, you're going to be able to, you're going to lose yourself in it. Whatever value you, you, you liked about yourself, you'll sacrifice that for that pleasure. If you begin to worship that tool. Yeah. Do you, um, so I, I never got an answer, um, but I never asked the question. Why grow mushrooms? Why the sustainability of mushrooms for a farm thing? Um, well, for for me, I want to turn it into later on. Um, as I mentioned, they're like organizers of, uh, of the soil around them. So one like gardener trip, uh, gardener tr- trick is to use like mushroom compost because that mushroom compost will be like loose and fluffy. Mm-hmm. And it'll act as a mulch, while acting as like a dense nutrient for your plants. Um, but there's also an extra level to it where it's like if you find the right species of of mushroom, as I mentioned before, they often share the nutrients between from plant to plant. Um, then you don't have to till the soil, and the mushrooms will continuously make the soil richer and richer. 
Uh, in fact, our current farming practices where it's like you till the soil every time, yeah. you can almost think of that as like you're killing the soil every single time. You're killing the organism that lives there. And then that's why you have that issue with the weeds and that people have to spray it so often. Well, and nutrient replenishment. That, huh? Nutrient replenishment, like particular plants. I know nothing about gardening, but I do know you can't just grow corn every year. You have to like replace it because different plants take different nutrients from the soil. Yeah. Yeah. The, the monocropping stuff will just destroy it. Yeah. So I'm wondering like if people had mushrooms growing there with it, would that occur? Like that's where you have my mind going. Yeah. You're not, you're at that point, you're not going to have as many, um, like nutrient deficiencies. And then if you include the system of, um, can't remember what it's called, but it's like when you, use the animals and all that uh, in the system, having them walk around the field, grazing, pooping, and eating off, eating off the land. Um, might've been permaculture. I, all right, I'd, I'd be giving the wrong terms out, but um, <laughs> it just creates a life, uh, an ecosystem, like a living ecosystem that it's resilient to change. In contrast, the system that we have now is like we've, We've made it so complicated where it's like, if there's one piece missing, it's going to be ruined. Um, if it were complex, it'd be like there, um, there's definitely like lots of parts, but like if one is weakened, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the end for the entire system. Gotcha. Um, and when we look at the soil, if you just like visualize like every single time that they till the soil, you're literally killing it. And then you plant another seed into the, now the weakened soil, which is going to try to grow weeds. And that soil, uh, that seed is going to try to grow. But then each time it's going to require more and more nutrients that have to be sourced from another area, where instead you could just like set up a system where it's like continuously. And even in that system where it's like um, all working by itself, you could still end up designing products that better increase yields, but it's a matter of like, let's, instead of trying to, instead of the way that we, like the way we treat the earth is like similar to how we treat our body. And <laughs> similar how do we treat each other with like social media? It's like, we're just like sucking it out, sucking out the energy, but it's like, you could build it up and it'll, stay sturdy and strong and you could keep on getting stuff from it and live stronger yourself. Um, it's a certain, it's a definite process and it's not like it's, um, and with where we are, it's going to take work, but it's something where it's like, you can engineer it in a way that it, humanity's future on this planet will be hopeful and the effect that we have on the environment will be great. For example, like a lot of people will think that humans are pests on the planet, but like, let's look at the Amazon. The Amazon is a system of like, one, there's, it's really crazy in terms of ancient civilizations. But on the other hand, <laughs> um, they have a system, there's a specific soil that they have that grows there. It grows to a depth of 30 centimeters. It's this black soil that's very nutrient rich. And if you skim a little bit off the top, so long as you leave some at the bottom, it'll automatically regrow itself, that oh. super high quality. And 
um, Graham Hancock has this um, hypothesis that we lived in this like shamanic type culture before, um, but essentially just like living very well with the with the um, planet and the plants and really thinking about scientifically how to best put those um, the earth systems to work together. Yeah, it's some avatar-ness to it to make it more pop culture-y. Um, we actually went to, it was a plantation off of, man, South Carolina. I'm trying to remember the name of the plantation, but basically, so I'm from Southern Delaware. We don't have plantations. So it's weird to drive up to a place where the driveway could be like a fucking mile itself. You know, like we don't have that kind of geography. But you go up there and one thing, one of the facts that um, the guides was telling us was how trees become interdependent. And one tree, if they get have a better light source, will absorb enough light and then pass it on through its root system to its neighboring tree. So they're not individual organisms, but they're a collective. And I don't know why that tripped me out so much, but I heard that and I was like, holy shit, man. Like, that's the earth. We're not individuals. People are not individuals. We're a collective. No man is an island to himself. I think that was C.S. Lewis. But I'm gonna quote that as my own because that's what, that's what we've been doing all night is just stealing quotes. But that seems to be what you're getting at, man. And um, I like it. I like the vibe. Like, I, I just like that mindset of not looking to take, but looking to add, looking to be a functional part of, looking to help, you know? It's, looking um, to grow it. It's like, yeah. would you rather live in a world where everything is weak, divided, and separate, and you think that mm -hmm. we're just a roving predator, and that's the idea of mankind? All right, well, we see how you, we see what your, your beliefs will do shows me what you'll act on um but also or would you rather to see it as like all right we can be one of the greatest forces for adding good into this world for adding positivity and building great things and i think inherently that is our that seems to be our nature um look at every child what does he want to do for his parent he wants to help them of course, there's the rare 1% psychopath. Because um, we have to be smart about it. <laughs> uh, we can't just like love unconditionally. Well, we can love unconditionally, but we have to love wisely as well. Uh, also, love isn't about this. For me, um, I'm, I agree with the Stoics on this, which is love isn't about feeling that nice bit of pleasure with someone. Love is desiring the best for that other person if if that's not what you're doing then i wouldn't consider it love it could be attachment it could be a multitude of different things but that inherent quality of wanting to help and not to mold them to your image but to help them grow that is love i think that's a great place to end for tonight aaron man thank you so much 
for your time, dude. Um, I'm so glad that you answered it. You seemed not, I don't want to call you nervous because I don't want to put labels on you. Not apprehensive, but like you wanted some sort of guidelines or something for the, uh, for the pod. And I felt bad being like, no, dude, just come on and be you. And um, <laughs> like, I just so enjoyed hearing you talk, man, and your mindset. It um, When I talk to young motherfuckers like you, man, it just really uh, revitalizes my belief that the world's going to be okay. I feel like less of a boomer and more like, oh, okay, I'm good. Like he'll, he'll figure out a way to keep the country going so I can be old and grumpy and uh, it'll be all right. Well, ho hopefully we make I'll be able to make it so that um, we make you healthy so that you're not old and grumpy. <laughs> and and, and happy. you're, you're, you're helping out in some way too. Because I don't think anybody's really happy in a tunnel full of pleasure. I've played that mental experiment out and I've had real, within the dream realm of like, and within reality as well, it was actually interesting with, I'm not going to go into that, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, the, it's just not that fun living in a pleasure filled environment. That's just not, it's not meaningful as man. And ultimately that, <laughs> uh, that's, I think that's part of the reason why people become grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Is that they have too much pleasure or they don't have enough challenge? Is that they lack meaning. It's like huh. when you got old before, what did you do in a lot of cultures? You did nothing. You died. You got isolated. Is that what happened in a lot of – oh, man. We're going to fucking get into like a fourth hour. Um, I always thought it was like an American thing to isolate them. I thought in other cultures you basically – filled gaps i always thought of it as like the little dutch boy that was like plugging fingers in the <clears throat> in the dike that was leaking so like you have grandpa come over and if you need food grandpa does the food if you need him to watch the kids he watches the kids if you need him to play he plays if you need a story he gives you a story if you need wisdom gives you wisdom i, I didn't think of it in many other cultures as them being useless i actually thought like that was one of the things I didn't like about American or I don't like about American culture is it seems like we throw aside our older people when they become inconvenienced, inconveniences to us. But I might be wrong. I haven't actually like study studied it. It's more like hearsay and uh, a romantic vision of my own. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about all the countries, uh, but I know <laughs> specifically in Costa Rica, if you're an old person, if you're over 50 and you try to get a job, there's no place that'll hire you. Stop. And it's like, hopefully you can live on some sort of welfare or maybe do something there. 50 is so young, man. 50 is so young. So young. And it's that's been one of the... Okay, Costa Rica is terrible. Um, they're getting better with their government with the new one that came in who's like actually trying to change things. But they also have a fucked up system where they don't even allow him to run for two consecutive terms. Like if he gets this term, he got he got the term for four years. And um, now for the next four years after that, he can't run. And so they we they don't I don't know what's going to happen to that country uh, during those four extra years, because maybe they'll try to reverse some of the positive things that he was trying to do. Um, this guy, he was like.
because in Costa Rica, this is one of the fucked up things with the pension system. It's like the government officials, they gain a certain amount of money. Like if you get a low government job, you get like 170000 a year. And if you die, that amount goes to your kids continuously. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they die, that goes to their kids. Perpetuity? For yeah, forever. Per, per, as far as I know, perpetuity for forever. Whoa. And How is that sustainable? It's not. There's a. <laughs> are you sure about one this, of, dude? Is one of like, the like I really uh, enjoy reckless speculation. Are you sure about this? Like that seems 170 grand for a low level government job. I'm talking about like the custodians of the capital. His um, grandchildren. What a, what a not not a custodian, but like you would have to run some type of position in office. But it could be well, just for like a couple of years, and then you're guaranteed. Then you're guaranteed that 170 uh, for like life. Wow, not your life for your generations. Yeah, jeepers! All right, dude. Um, Aaron, uh, I've got a. Uh, I'm gonna get some sleep so that I can educate the youth because I'm not scared to indoctrinate kids. Unlike yourself. No, I'm just kidding. You'll you'll get there. <laughs> um. But man, I'm so happy that, I don't know, I got to explore your, I got to enjoy your mind paths, <laughs> your stream of consciousness, man. I um, I really like the way you think, analyze, and interpret. It's um, It was a great chat, man. I had no idea what it would be. I thought you were a little bit of a gym bro when I was like looking at your Instagram, thinking about like what to talk about. I was like, man, I hope he has some shit and um who knew I would have to be like all right man we're cutting it off at um Costa Rican pension plans in perpetuity I did not <laughs> expect that <laughs> So yeah dude thank you so much for coming on man I um I really appreciate your openness No uh, thank you thank you for having me um and I say let's make this world a better place <laughs> Love it All right man enjoy your night and um I'll be seeing you around Huge thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Homeboy's been down since just about day one. If you have not already, search him up, Andre Psyche, on social media. Give my man a follow for the fuck of it. Please, almost more importantly, do not forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. Five stars, five stars, five stars. If you have not already, continue with your gracious clicking, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And if you're feeling super generous, as in that ching-ching monetary type, go to our Patreon and support the pod for as little as $2 a month. Oh yeah, and if you know anyone who'd like to be a guest on the pod, go ahead and send their contact info our way. Slide them up into my DMs. Later.